Welcome to Appearance Matters, the podcast, the appearance psychology podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world-leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to how we look. I'm Nadia. And I'm Jade. And we have a super exciting episode for you today on social media and body image. So we hear and talk about the negative impact of social media on body image a lot, but we want to find out whether it really is all doom and gloom. So to help us, we have two social media and body image experts who each bring a very different type of expertise. First up is our academic expert, CARS, Dr. Amy Slater. You've probably heard Amy talk on the podcast before. She was a guest on our Barbie's New Body bonus episode. Which, by the way, is one of our most popular episodes to date. Yeah, so go back and have a listen if you haven't already. Our second guest is not a researcher, but is very relevant to the conversation on social media and body image. Right, Nadia will be speaking with Megan Crabb, who is perhaps better known as Body Posy Panda. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you who don't know, who live under a rock, obviously, Megan is a pretty big deal body positive blogger and Instagrammer. Right, I'm looking at her account on Instagram now, and she currently has over 750,000 followers. I think I might have 200 or maybe 250. Come on, Nadia. No upward social comparisons. Wait, isn't it only upward social comparisons if I aspire to a Brazilian followers? <laughs> maybe I'm perfectly content with my 200. <laughs> anyway, um, social comparison is probably a good place for us to start our conversation today on social media and body image. Sure, so a good 30 years of body image research looking at the effects of exposure to idealised images in traditional media. So like TV, magazines, billboard advertisements? Exactly. They show that when we internalise these narrow and unrealistic beauty standards, we are more likely to engage in upwards appearance-related comparisons. Which, you won't be surprised to hear, leaves us feeling not so hot about the way we look, because the chances are we don't look like the models that we see in advertising or the media. Right, in support of this, an often cited 2008 systematic review of 77 experimental and correlational studies by Grabe and colleagues shows that media exposure contributes to increased body dissatisfaction and dysfunctional eating behaviours, and significantly, appearance comparisons were found to mediate this relationship. Meaning that the relationship between media exposure and body dissatisfaction is greater the more individuals compare their bodies with the idolised models they're exposed to. Exactly which kind of makes intuitive sense. So how is this different when it comes to social media? Yeah, okay, so new research looking at social media and body image suggests that the effects of exposure to idolised images on social media platforms may in fact be more potent and more damaging than by traditional media. And this is partly because of how much we, and especially young people, use social media. Like Facebook alone has nearly 2 billion monthly active users around the world. Instagram has 600 million, Twitter has 313 million, Pinterest 150 million. Yeah, all of these as of March 2017 stats. And depending on what social media platform you're looking at, a large proportion of people that use social media are between the ages of 18 to 29. Yeah, I came across a statistic the other day saying that 41% of Instagram users around the world are 24 or younger. And then the fact that many of us carry these apps around with us on our phones checking them multiple times a day, um, means the scope for social comparisons feels endless. Right, and then another reason that psychologists say viewing images on social media may be more toxic than traditional media is because it invites us to engage in comparisons with relevant others. Like peers and friends. Yeah, like meaning that anyone that we on paper perceive to have similar resources to us. 
I they don't have a team of professionals like a glam squad. Yeah, like a team of makeup artists, hairstylists, photographers who are invested in making them look as good as they can for a specific purpose. Like an advert. Yeah, exactly. So I just think that today in general we're better at being more woke when it comes to traditional media so we can critique it more and it's easier to distance ourselves from professional models. But when it comes to people who we perceive to be on a level with us, whether we know them or not, social comparisons can hit harder because we perceive ourselves falling short because we think that we should be comparable with these people. Yeah, and I think we forget how much we self-edit our photos for social media. Research by the Renouf Centre Foundation found that approximately 70% of women aged 18 to 35 regularly edit their images before posting them, as do 50% of men in the same age group. This involves using standard filters, plus there are a ton of apps that enable us to do all sorts of digital editing that can change your body shape and complexion. Yeah, right. And let us not forget the hundreds of photos people take before they find a good one. (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) So let's have a look at what the research says. Yeah, and just on what you were saying, Nadia, there's an old study from the 1980s that found that women perceived peers as more critical appearance comparison targets than models or celebrities with female undergraduates rating themselves as less attractive following exposure to attractive peers than to professional models. Right, so this whole thing is not necessarily new, but social media, especially the more visual platforms, really allow for more of these peer appearance comparisons. And a number of studies looking at Facebook support this, right? Yeah, so a correlational study from Australia by Jasmine Faradouli, friend of the Centre for Appearance Research, yeah, and her colleague Lenny Vartanian in 2015 found that greater Facebook usage was associated with greater body image concerns among 100 or so female undergraduates, and that this relationship was mediated by appearance comparisons. And although we can't extrapolate definitive conclusions from this one study, the author found it was the frequency of comparison to peers, rather than family or celebrities, that mediated the association between Facebook use and body image concerns. Which, in turn, supports the idea that appearance comparisons on social media could be more toxic, as we commonly follow peers on social media. So, moving on from Facebook to Instagram now. Yeah, because young people these days don't really use Facebook, do they? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) So, another recent study from the USA by Joshua Hendrixie and colleagues published last month found that young women who frequently engage in social comparisons on Instagram are more likely to experience body image concerns, specifically a drive for thinness and body dissatisfaction. Yeah, although, as the authors noted in the discussion, they didn't tease apart the potential differences between female participants looking at idealised images or like thin idealised images in comparison to more realistic or plus-size images of other women. Um, Also, as with any correlational study, we can't draw conclusions about causation. Um, It is, for example, possible that women with a greater drive for thinness and body dissatisfaction actually seek out Um, more idealised images and then engage in more appearance-related comparisons. So it can work the other way around, potentially. Um, And people with eating disorders seeking out, like, inspiration images could also be a good example of this. Yeah, and there's also a recent systematic review of 20 studies from six countries that found fairly robust cross-cultural evidence linking social media use to body image concerns, dieting, body surveillance, a drive for thinness, and self-objectification in adolescents. Specifically, It presents evidence from correlational, experimental and longitudinal studies which show that time spent on social media, specifically looking at photos of friends or peers, is detrimental to body image. Which doesn't present a very positive picture for social media's influence on body image. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) Anyway, we could probably spend the whole episode discussing different studies, but I imagine our listeners probably want to hear from our guests. Yes. 
So first up, we have Dr. Amy Slater from CAR. Amy's work really is at the cutting edge of social media and body image research, and she has an international reputation as a leading authority in this area. Hi, Amy. So it's great to have you back on the podcast. Let me start by asking why research exploring social media and body image is so important. Hi, Jade. It's great to be back on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, I guess we've known for a really long time now in body image research that the media is a really important influence on the way that we think and feel about our bodies. And in the past, all that has been focused on traditional media. So, for example, images from magazines and television and billboards. And yet we know now that social media is such a huge part of life, and particularly for young people these days, it is now an absolutely integral part of life. For people my age, we might remember a time before social media, but um, for young people these days, it's they have grown up completely surrounded by and immersed by social media, and so it's completely a normal part of life for them. Mm. So I think it's really important for researchers to try and understand the influence of this environment because we know that young people are spending an awful lot of time immersed in this environment. And some of my own research is showing that young people are reporting spending around two to three hours per day on social media. (laughs) So it's really important that we start to understand um, the impact that this environment may have. And, you know, while there's a number of features that are quite similar and overlapping between perhaps traditional media and social media, there's also a number of unique features of this environment that are potentially really important for how we think about ourselves and our bodies. Of course, the key feature of social media now is that we as users are generating our own media rather than just consuming the images that have been presented to us in the past. We are now generating and sharing our own images and content and really importantly of course the social aspect of social media is that then we also get interaction on on our content that we're sharing. So if you think that that might be putting up a picture on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat then the social aspect ideally is that we get some interaction or feedback on that image whether that's in the form of a like or a comment and I think this may be a really important aspect for us to consider the impact of receiving this feedback constantly and immediately on how we think about ourselves our bodies and our appearance. That's great so you've mentioned Amy a bit about Facebook Um, So in terms of Jasmine's 2015 Facebook study, can you tell us more about that study and also a bit about your study on Facebook use and body image concerns? Mm, So some of my own earlier research, which was conducted with Marika Tigerman in Australia, this was some of the really earlier studies examining the impact of social media use on body image and here we found that there seemed to be some sort of relationships between the amount of time that young people reported spending on Facebook and even MySpace back in the day if anyone remembers that um, and poorer outcomes in terms of how people were thinking about themselves and, and their bodies. Since that time we've really tried to understand what aspects of the environment in particular might be having some sort of impact and indeed some of Jasmine Farduli's work that you've mentioned earlier has started to try and unpack that as has many other studies now. Currently I'm really interested in trying to understand that environment in a lot more detail so over the last couple of years we've been conducting a study here where we've asked young people to actually let us observe their activity in one particular environment and that being Facebook. So we have asked people to actually let us become friends with them and then 
observe and record all the activity that they're doing in that environment so we can record the types of photos that they are sharing and presenting and the types of comments in particular that they are giving and receiving to their peers or in their social network. And I'm really interested there in trying to understand how young people are presenting themselves, whether there's gender differences in how people present themselves in their photos, for instance, how much body they display, and then the types of interaction or feedback that they receive. So if you display yourself in a particular way, does that mean you receive more likes, more comments? And also, what is the the tone and the content of those comments? So are there gender differences there in, in terms of what young people are getting feedback on? And really importantly, then I'm trying to tie all that together in terms of how those things may relate to how young people in particular feel about themselves and their appearance and their body. Really fascinating research. So I hear you have an upcoming paper on Instagram and Fitspiration images. Can you tell us more about this study and what it is you found? Sure. This was a study uh, that Philippa Dietrich, myself, and a student, a master's student last year, Nisha Varsani, conducted here. And we were really interested in the impact of exposure to particular types of imagery that are found on Instagram in particular. So this was following on from a study by, again, Marika Tigerman and Mia Zaccardo in Australia that found that women who were exposed to Fitzpiration imagery on Instagram reported poorer body image and mood compared to viewing neutral images. So we were expanded on that study, but we were also really interested in looking at what we've called self-compassion quotes. Um, So you might have seen these types of quotes on Instagram, sort of encouraging you to be accepting of yourself and love yourself. So it might say just love yourself whatever size or or shape you're in. So we, we did an experiment exposing young women to those types of imagery compared to Fitspiration and also compared to more neutral imagery. And we found that the women who were shown the self-compassion quotes reported more positive body image so more feelings of body satisfaction and body appreciation and also less negative mood so they generally felt better about themselves and in a better mood and I guess these findings are quite exciting because they are now focusing or starting to focus on a more positive aspect or a positive um, influence within this environment that we may be able to explore more deeply. That's great. So finally, Amy, what else are you working on in relation to social media and body image? Yeah, I guess following on from that last study, I'm really interested in, as as I said, in trying now to explore perhaps the, the positive aspects of this environment. I think we know that social media is here to stay. I don't think it's something that's going to disappear <laughs> Of course, it may change, which is a really interesting and um, challenging part of working and doing research in this area is that the environment is continually changing and what young people are using will change. However, I think we're pretty confident that it's not going to disappear. So I think the way forward for research and, and what I'm interested in now is trying to explore ways that we can encourage safe and healthy and positive usage of this environment. So... I have a PhD student in Sydney, Australia, Rachel Cohen, who's about to conduct some experimental studies looking at the influence of following body positive types of social media content and how this impacts immediately on how people feel about themselves and their bodies. Philippa Jasmine and I also have a study 
looking at this whether we can encourage people to follow particular types of feeds and content online and whether this has a more positive influence on body image. And another study that I'm really excited to be working on at the moment is a collaboration with some colleagues in Melbourne, so um, Susan Paxton and Sean McLean in Melbourne, Australia, and Rachel Rogers in Northeastern University in Boston. And on this, we're looking at developing and evaluating an intervention for young adolescents. So it would be a social media literacy intervention. So here we're trying to encourage young people to be critical thinkers of this environment and navigate ways that they can exist in this environment in a healthy and positive way. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be working on those so that we can hopefully find ways to exist in this world of social media without having detrimental or negative impacts on our well-being and particularly the way we feel about ourselves and our bodies. Well, really, really interesting research, Amy. It's great that you've shared this with us and we are looking at the positive side of using social media, as you have mentioned, it's probably here to stay. I think so. So, yeah, so thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. That was Dr Amy Slater from CAR talking to Jade. She has so many interesting studies going on, and that finding from the Instagram experiment showing that self-compassion quotes seem to improve body image and mood is encouraging. Definitely. And I think it also provides some empirical support for the body positive community who post a lot of these kind of quotes on Instagram. Although, I don't know, I do wonder what happens with Fitbo accounts, because you often see those kind of idealised images are interspersed with self-compassion quotes. So I wonder if the two balance each other out. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, um... Your main interest is social media and body image, Jade. So what what do you think? Yeah, so I really liked how, and Amy mentioned this, how the research is now kind of gearing towards the more positive aspects of social media. And it'd be kind of really interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, and that reflects the body image field as a whole, right? Because it's shifted from a near-exclusive pathological focus, looking at body dissatisfaction in the beginning, to exploring positive body image and looking at what the benefits are and how we can foster positive body image in people. Yeah, absolutely. And with that in mind, let's now hear from Megan Crabb, aka Body Posi Panda. Megan is a body positive blogger, Instagrammer and influencer. And mover and shaker. You can't miss out those hashtag don't hate the shake videos, Jade. (laughs) So Megan is a big deal in this space with over 750,000 followers on Instagram. And she has just signed a book deal. Like major. Very exciting. So Nadia, you caught up with her a few weeks ago, didn't you? Um, see how social media and the online body positive community can be a force for good in the body image space. Yeah, let's have a listen. Hi Megan, uh, welcome to the Prince Matters podcast. I'm very excited to be talking to you. I think I've told everyone in the office about six times. Um, so today on this episode, we're talking about the role of social media on body image. And I'm really excited to hear your perspective on our discussion. Yeah, well, thank you so much for inviting me to come on. It's, it's really good. Okay, excellent. So I've literally just had a look and you currently have 754,000 followers on Instagram, which is wild. Talk me through why you set up the account and like what your <laughs> expectations were at the beginning. I actually started the account kind of like my own body image therapy you know when I came into the body positive community it was really small there were only a few hundred people doing it and it was really just a close-knit group of people who were just helping each other through and you know everyone was posting about 
what they felt insecure about that day or whether they'd had like a victory with their body image and we were just cheering each other up and I had absolutely no idea that it would turn into this big thing I just wanted to explore you know I wanted to help myself heal and I wanted to pass the message along and show other people about this thing called body positivity that I didn't know existed and many of other people didn't know it existed so that's that's all it started as and then it kind of just snowballed wow that's amazing and have you found that the accounts evolved since you started has it changed at all or changed much um I think it's definitely changed as much as I have changed I think over the years I've just become kind of more unapologetic more sure about what I'm talking about what I'm posting I know more I've grown and I've changed so yeah it's definitely more unapologetic than it was before okay great interesting um and so you have a ton of followers on Instagram and that wasn't your intention as when you started out so why do you think your account is so successful why is it so popular body positive accounts like yours affect people that follow them? In the most simple way, I just hope that it kind of acts as exposure therapy and that body positive accounts give more representation of different bodies that we've needed for so, so long. There is so much power in just seeing different body types. It teaches how to see our own body type and teaches us they can be happy in their body and they look like me. Maybe I can be happy in my body. It's so simple and I do get told that that is, that's what happens. My main hope is that it teaches them that they're good enough and that they can go and live their lives in the bodies that they have. That's so nice. Do you get a lot of feedback from your followers? What do they say to you about how your account affects them? I was having a bad day a little while ago and I asked my followers if they could all tell me one way that their lives had changed since they found body positivity. And it kind of blew up. And I got thousands of responses, and I read through them all. And the ones that stuck with me the most were ones like, since I found body positivity, I've worn a bikini for the first time. Or I've gone on holiday, and I've actually been in my holiday pictures. Um, And the one that was my favorite that I will always, always remember was from someone in recovery from anorexia who said, because of body positivity, this year I'm going to eat my birthday cake for the first year ever. Um, And that... That was really just, it kind of hits me in thrills and is, is what it's all about for me. Wow, that's so powerful. You kind of broke up a little bit at the end there, but I think we got the gist. So you mentioned you post when you're having not such a great body image day. So I was going to ask, when you are not having a great body image day, does social media help or hinder how you're feeling? Or does it depend? I think social media helps. You know, I can log on to Instagram and I'm just surrounded by all of these different people showing me body positivity and showing me how to be happy in my skin. And I think that's why it's so important to have that safe space that you can go to when you're not having such a good day. And I think for me personally, when I'm not having like an A game body positivity wise, it's really important for me to remember that how I look is not the most important thing about me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think body positivity, yeah, it's really cool and it's really important to feel like you're beautiful and you are good enough in the way you look, but it's more important to know that you are not just the way you look. Yes, definitely. I think that's a really important message. Okay, so what do you think are like the main disadvantages of like the body positive community on Instagram? Are there any points where you're not sure or think that it might not be positive in some way? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of things that we still need to work on in the body positive community. We don't we don't get it right all the time. Especially lately, there's been a lot of backlash, um, basically because a lot of the space is being taken up by the bodies that body positivity wasn't made for. So there's a lot of thin, white, able-bodied, conventionally beautiful people. And, you know, they're, they're welcome. They Of course, they have body image issues as well. We all do. And they're welcome to be there and work through them. But people are frustrated when they take up all the space and when they don't shed light on bodies who are, that are more marginalized. Lately, I've noticed that it's ironic that we come to body positivity to kind of escape the pressure of not feeling good enough and to escape the numbers and to just break free. And then we find ourselves online still surrounded by numbers and the validation of likes, followers, etc. Mm-hmm. So it can kind of be a double-edged sword and it's it's always difficult to remind yourself every day that the numbers do not matter. Yeah, completely. Okay, so yeah, I just want to kind of go back to the account and the process of like what you post and what you think about when you're posting because obviously you said when you started it wasn't really for a huge audience um, but now you do have a huge audience. How do you like think of content and what kind of goes through your mind when you're deciding what to post and how much intention is behind it and planning? Oh my gosh, there's a lot of planning. <laughs> People really don't realise, you know, they think, oh, and it's just it's just an Instagram account, like, how much goes into it? So much goes into it. Like, I, I scour the internet for hours looking for content or creating content, and um, what's, what's really important to me is that I'm passing the mic to other people as well, um, and that I'm just kind of covering all bases because there's so many topics within body positivity. You know, there's there's representation in the media, there's food issues, eating disorders, health at every size, you know, it goes on and on and on. So I really just try to spread it out evenly mm-hmm. and cover cover everything, not be too repetitive. Um, so yeah, a lot more goes into it than, than people think. Yeah, I, I can believe that. So is there anything that you would like definitely not post or that you think that you would be very kind of cautious about posting when it comes to your account? Yeah, I have I have a rule about not posting like specific food things. Like I, I wouldn't I would never post like this is what I eat in a day or this is this is what you should be eating in a day because mm-hmm. I have a lot of people in recovery from eating disorders following me and I really hate when they just get ammunition to compare what they're eating, you know. And mm-hmm. the messages about food that I send out are just about intuitive eating and food freedom. So I would never post specific food things. Yeah, you said you spent a lot of time looking for content and then developing content. So what, who or what are your biggest influences when it comes to content? I think the other people in the community always, always inspire me. Um, so we, we, we all share a lot of content, you know. If someone creates a really great quote or a really great piece of art it kind of makes the rounds and like mm-hmm. travels around the whole community um i look for quotes a lot on tumblr i'm not actually on tumblr i just like 
stalk my way through Tumblr accounts to like find their content. And that's, yeah, that's how I do it. Okay, great. And almost last question, but not quite. What's next for the account and for you in this space, in the, like, the body positive community space? What's next? Well, I have the book coming out, hopefully in September, mm-hmm. but just, you know. That's very thing. exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, fingers crossed for that. And who knows? I think potentially YouTube, but that's a whole new kettle of fish and that is scary. So we'll see. Okay, well, we'll definitely keep a lookout for all of that. Okay, this has been very exciting. So, but we just have one last question. So, regular listeners of the podcast and friends of the Centre for Appearance Research will know that we have a slight obsession with cake here. And every Tuesday we hold a coffee morning whereby we take it in turns to bring in cakes. Um, So, if you come and visit us in Bristol one Tuesday, and I hope you do, what cake would you bring? This isn't technically a cake, but I make killer cookie dough squares, and they're like basically half-baked cookie dough, and they've got like three different types of chocolate in them, and they're so, so good. So good, so I would bring them. Oh, that sounds amazing, and we definitely have not had those, so we are in need. Okay, Megan, it's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. It was really great to have Megan on the podcast and get a bit of a different perspective. I really liked how she said her account has grown and developed kind of through the years as she has. And it'd be really interesting to kind of see where she goes from here, so with her book, etc. Yeah, and uh, potentially YouTube videos, which is right down your your street, Jade. Definitely. Um, Yeah, and I also thought it's interesting how the, and I've I've thought this um, recently, how the body positive community like critique each other and like kind of push each other forward in their thinking. And if you're interested in the body positive community online, you should go back and have a listen to our feminism and body image episode with Melissa Fabello, because she also talks about it there. Yeah, that's a great one. And that brings us to the end of this episode. So many thanks to Amy and to Megan for speaking to us and for all their insightful comments. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. Our handle is at car underscore UWE because we'll be posting a link to Amy's Instagram study shortly. Yeah, and you can also tweet at us with any comments or feedback or questions. Yeah, and do let us know which episode you've liked best so far and what topics you'd like us to cover next. And please do share this episode with friends, family and colleagues. Join us next time when we're going to be speaking about the psychological impact of burns.